thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. I uh, hated to be gone uh, last week. Um, we uh, were, of course, in in quarantine with the kids last week, and I very much appreciate Sean for filling in on such short notice. I was watching uh, the live stream last week and noticed that Sean mentioned that Brian did not call him until Saturday morning, right? Saturday morning. Brian knew at lunch Friday he needed to call you, so he could have given you a good extra 24 hours. So, uh, take it for what you will, you know, but you did a great job, and I appreciate you uh, filling in there, there for us, and and I think Tanner, Tanner, did you teach my class? You were supposed to, did you? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Well, you took care of them one way or the other, right? All right. Okay. Well, good. Hey, open your Bibles to the Book of Ephesians, the Book of Ephesians, chapter one. We're going to spend some time together in the first chapter of Ephesians for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. As let me get my Bible turned there, and then I'll look back up here at you. Um, get there myself. How many of you? How many of you forgot your sword? Didn't you? Hard to turn, isn't it? How many of you sometimes wrestle with the idea that God is three and one at the same time? How many of you? Now, how many of you just start raising your hand because you don't want to, to be? That's, that's something I think in God's nature I think we struggle with. How can something be one God, but yet three individual parts, okay? Because for us on the physical, on, in the physical realm, that, that really is, you, you either are something or you aren't something. And, and so as we get into this study, what I want to do for the next few weeks is kind of break down and maybe have a better understanding of of who God is, God, God in his wholeness, and what, what does each one of these particular parts of God, what is their role, what are they responsible for, and, and as we get, and Paul does a great job of kind of explaining that here in chapter one of the book of Ephesians, and I'm sure at this point you're wondering, why are you holding this chair, okay, so, so what I want to, you to look at with me for just a moment, this, this is when someone asks me, how can God be three and one at the same time? Let, let me ask you, how many, how many chairs am I holding? How, that's right. That is right. But within this one chair, there are three things that make this chair functional, that make it a chair, correct? We'll start at the bottom. What are these called? Legs. If you're missing a leg on a chair, what happens? You fall, it's not a chair, okay? What is, what is this part of the chair right here? The back. If you take the back off of this chair, in my opinion, you no longer have a chair, you have a stool, okay? What is this? The seat, okay? And if you don't have that, you're, you sit down in that bad boy, you're going to, not many of us are going to sit down in this anyway, you know, except for our kids. But this is one chair made up of what? Three wood. Three <laughs> Love it. Love it. Y'all aren't going to remember a thing I say the rest of the morning, but you'll remember those kids. This chair 
is one chair, but made up of three very important parts of the chair. You remove any one part of the chair, you really don't have a chair, correct? God is the same way. God, God is, now I don't know what to do with the chair. Um, I'm going to step on that. God is one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they interact as one God, as, 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 as one collection of, uh, of a Godhead. But within that Godhead, they function in three very specific and distinct roles. And as you look through Scripture from the beginning and to the end, from generation, from generation, from Genesis to Revelation, just combine those two words, uh, you're going to see that, that even though there are three parts of God, each one of those parts have a very specific purpose. And as you open to Ephesians chapter 1, as you open to Ephesians chapter 1, Paul normally, when he begins to write, Paul usually starts out, if you, if you, if you flip just um, a few pages to the, uh, to the next book or to a couple of books, this is where mine turn, to 1 Thessalonians. This is normally how Paul writes. The first part of the chapter, the first few words, Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. So he begins with saying, hey, this is who I'm writing to. This is who's with me. You know, grace and peace from the Lord. And then he usually starts out with some type of thanks. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually meet you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You look at all of Paul's epistles, and they all pretty well start that way till you get to the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Paul does something a little bit different. Paul starts in a different way. Now, if you were... To take a Greek Bible and open up to Ephesians chapter 1, one of the things that you would realize if you, if you really wanted to try to study it and understand it is unlike the English language, there's not a whole lot of punctuation in the Greek language, especially in the written language. So as you open up and read chapter 1, uh, the first uh, 14 verses of chapter 1 here, Paul just kind of starts praising God. He just kind of starts praising God, and he starts out talking about God the Father, and he starts, then he moves from God the Father to God the Son, then he goes from God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and if you look at it, it's just one big, just run-on sentence, and it's like something, something got in Paul, something excited Paul as he began to write, and he just takes a moment, and he just praises God in, in all of his glory, in all of his parts, in all of his, his wonder, and he just gives us a moment where we can just stop and just say, wow, God is awesome. I want you to say that with me. Say, God is awesome. And that is what I want us to get to and get from this study for the next three weeks, that as we, as we back away from it and are able to look at it in its entirety in a few weeks, I want you to understand that God is awesome. And so we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 3, we're going to read the first few verses together. And today we're going to talk about God the Father and some very uh, great things about our relationship with Him. So we'll start, uh, and the first thing I want you to kind of key in on with me is the fact that God has blessed us. All right, God has blessed us. He says, praise be, starting in verse 3, three, praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Let's stop right there for a second. I want you to just, just think for a moment, just think for a moment about the ways that you have been blessed. 
think about the blessings in your life. Think about the things that you have that you probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for God. And I want you to just take a moment and just within yourself, I just want you to say, thank you, God. Just to yourself and between you and God, just say, thank you, God. We think about our blessings, though, in so many ways in a physical way physical blessings, because we are physical beings, right? We function, we function in, in a very physical way. We understand the things that we can touch, the things that we can see, the things that we can smell, the things you know, that, are, that are around us. Like We're very physical people, but not only have we been blessed in the physical realm, he says here that we've been blessed in what? The spiritual realm. And I love that idea because it expands our... It expands our domain, if you will. It, it expands the, in, in the place that we live. You see, you and I, once we become children of God, we're no longer just physical people. We're a new creation, and part of us has a really spiritual context. Paul says it this way. He says, you have dual citizenship. You have dual citizenship. Now, I was born in Florence, Alabama. I was born in Florence, Alabama in 1983. Uh, when I was 10 years old, we moved to Savannah, Tennessee. I grew up in. Uh, I grew up from that point on in Savannah. Graduated high school from there. Have lived other places uh, along the way up to this point. But the bulk of my life has been spent uh, in in Alabama and in Tennessee. So. Because I have spent about equal amount of time, I claim dual citizenship. I'm from Alabama, and I'm from Tennessee. And depending on where I am and what situation it is, if you ask me, hey, where are you from? Where did you grow up? If it serves me better to say I'm from Tennessee, I'm from Tennessee. If it serves me better to say I'm from Alabama, I'm from Alabama. I claim dual citizenship, okay? Do you get the concept here? Paul is saying, though, Paul tells us, he says, look, you know, we sing the song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, but to a large extent, this world is our home, isn't it? There are things here that we love, there's things here we're attached to, we have a purpose here. God says that, hey, you're here, and I have works, things for you to do that I prepared beforehand for you. So, hey, yeah, this world is our home, but we also claim a spiritual dwelling, a spiritual domain. We have a spiritual home in which we live in and function in, and it's hard for us to think about that sometimes. I want to tell you a really cool picture that's painted in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel has prayed about some things. Daniel has prayed about the freedom of his people and some different things. I think this is in Daniel chapter 5. And, and the angel finally comes to Daniel and says, hey, when you pray, this is, this is paraphrase here, but he says, when you prayed this prayer, God heard it and God set in motion the things to answer that prayer and he dispatched me to go answer that prayer. And I love that image of an angel, that it is an angel's job to actually go and put into motion the things to answer your prayers on behalf of God. And so he sent, and even though, okay, we're physical, we think, you know, in a very finite time and space, he, he was going to send this angel ahead of the moment of prayer in, in, in the spiritual realm to put those things into place. And he said, but I got held up by Satan and I had to fight Satan for a little while and I won and now I finally have come to answer this prayer. I want you to think about your prayers physically. You're, you're, when you sit down and say a prayer, it affects the spiritual realm. 
It puts things into motion. There's another passage that we're a lot more familiar with in Luke chapter 15, and and it says, when one sinner repents, there is rejoicing where? In the throne room of who? In the throne room of God. So you have the ability in your life to make the throne room of God a happy and joyous and rejoiceful place. We are blessed in the spiritual realm. And he says that we have been given every spiritual. We we don't serve a selfish God. We don't serve a selfish God. We don't serve a God that says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you just enough to whet your appetite. He says, no, he gives us every spiritual blessing. So I want you to know this morning that one of the unique things about your relationship with God the Father is that he's the one that blesses you. Those blessings that you have, those blessings you receive, both in an earthly way and in a spiritual way, those things come from Father God. But then we keep going in this passage. And the next words in verse four, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be, to be holy and blameless in his sight. I want you if, you, if you do this, and even if you don't, I want you to underline, he chose us. He chose us in your Bible. This word that's translated as chosen or chose in this particular context can be translated three different ways. Um, it can be translated as elected. If you go to 1 Peter, he uses the word elected, I think in verse three, to God, or that's how he addresses the letter, to God's elect. Okay, it's the same word as chosen, but then there's also a third way that you can translate that word. It's the word favorite. So you could write there that you are God's favorite. Now, this is gonna be fun. I've got a set of three siblings right here, okay? I'm gonna ask you three. I want you to close your eyes. You three, close your eyes. The three. And I want you to point to who the favorite child is. Point to who the favorite child is. Is that right, Reese? (laughs) Sean, is that right? Sean's not paying attention, is he? Is that right? Is Reese the favorite? (laughs) Notice he didn't say no. So when you have a group of siblings, okay, when you have a group of, if there's more than one, if there's more than one sibling raised up in a house, the siblings are going to think there is a favorite. There's two right here. Is there a favorite between the two of you? Oh, Cameron, you hate the baby. Okay, so there, there were three of us. I was the favorite till I was eight years old, and when I was eight years old, my sister was born, and I was dethroned, okay? I've been dethroned for the last 30 years. Um, it's just the way it is. But, you know, you joke about having favorite kids, and one of the things that I've learned as a parent is you don't necessarily have favorite kids, but you do love each of your kids in a different way because each of your children are unique, and they need to be loved in different ways, okay? They have different emotional needs. They, they have, for, 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 for those that have gone through my premarital counseling, you'll understand this, that each of your kids have different love languages, okay? Um, teachers, you know that. Parents, you know that. Just we know that as a whole. But I want you to know this morning that from God's perspective, you are his favorite. You are his favorite. Just think about that for a second. 
that you are God's favorite, that in those moments in your life where you struggle and you wonder, does anybody care about me? Am I important? Do I have a purpose? Is my life worth living? I want you to know this morning that God says, Matthew doesn't say this as your preacher. God says this. He says, I chose you. You are my favorite. And, and, and look, he even, he even takes it deeper. He said, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That even before God said, let there be light, God chose you to be one of his favorites. And I don't know about you, but that moves me. That convicts me. That makes me understand that I have worth in the eyes of the God of the universe. And before he created anything, he didn't look down and say, that tree's my favorite, that river's my favorite, that mountain's my favorite. Before he created the beauty of creation, he said, you are going to be my favorite. And I believe that we can take that and we can, man, we, we, can, we can find a lot of self-worth in that idea. But then the last thing he tells us the last thing he tells us, he goes on. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So he uses a couple of words here that I want us to talk about, but the first idea here is, is he predestined us. He predestined us. Now, that's a word that in our, in our faith causes a lot of challenge because we don't want to think about the idea that God didn't give us free will and, and, and he's already decided who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. The idea of predestination, I think, has taken on uh, a doctrine of its own, and we're not going to get into the theology behind it, uh, but I think at times it's taken on a doctrine of its own that's not necessarily true to the Word of God. But I want you to understand this. If the Bible talks about something and mentions something, you shouldn't be afraid of it, and you shouldn't be scared of it. You should study it, okay? And you should try to figure out what he's really trying to say here. And I think what he's really trying to say here is he's not talking about an individual per se, but he's talking about the chosen people of God. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about his church. He's talking about his bride. He's talking about his kingdom. There's a lot of words that we can put in there. And if you're a part of that, then God said, these people that are a part of that, they're going to be mine. They're going, to have, they're going to have this home with me. And he says, you are predestined. And then he said, he adopted us into, into sonship. He adopted us. We were outside of the family. And he said, I look at you and I want you to come be a part of this. You know, adoption, adoption is a beautiful thing. Adoption is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when someone can take someone else's child, bring them into their family, and love them just like they were their own. Just like they were their own. You know, one of the things that I think about in that context is, as I remember conversations before we had Vance, and, and I remember talking to my mom about this, and I, I said, I just... I don't understand how I can love another child 
like I love Collins. Because Collins is the only child we had. I don't understand how I can love another child like I love Collins. Like, it's just not going to happen. And she told me, the second you hold him, just the second he's in your arms, he said, you're not even going to have to, you're not even going to have to try to love him. You're just going to love him the same way. And, and that's, that was my child, okay? But then to take that a step further and for someone to take someone else's child and take it and feel that same love and compassion and say, this is mine, is just such a beautiful thing. Now take it the next step and say, you are God's favorite and he has looked at you and he says, I'm going to wrap my arms around you just as if you were my son. Not just as if you were my son, but as if you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are part of the family. And I think it's interesting, and I love this idea. I love this idea. God doesn't call on us as Christians to be friends. Think about that for a second. God doesn't call on us to be friends. Although friendships with brothers and sisters are a beautiful thing, But he says, I want you to go further. I want you to go deeper. I want you to take the next step. I want you to be family. I want you to be family. And I think we we get caught up in church lingo sometimes. We get caught up in church lingo, and we call each other brother and sister, you know, and and it's just kind of shorthand. Or it may be that I just don't remember your name, and brother, brother, and we're all good. But there's, there's meaning behind that. That, that God says, I've brought you all into this family. I've brought you all into a place that, that no matter what your past is, no matter what your struggles are, no matter what your sins are, hey, I can take care of those, God says. Don't, 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 you, don't, don't you let those hinder you. Don't, don't, don't let those keep you from coming to the party, from going to the dinner. Luke chapter 15, you've got this party that the dad's throwing. The dad's throwing the party, and the older son, he, he's out. He's out, you know, doing his own thing, and he comes in, sees the party going on, and he's all mad and aggravated and agitated. And one of the things we don't ever know, and I wish we did, but my, my thought is this, is that the son, the oldest son never came into the party. He let his own struggles, his own frustrations, his own problems get in the way of celebrating the return of his own brother. God says, don't, don't get hung up on yourself. Rejoice when your brothers rejoice. Weep when your brothers weep. We're part of a family. Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry. But there's a beauty in what God has created, not just here at Ninth Avenue. One of the, and I've shared this before, one of the things that is a blessing to being a minister is, is getting to work with other congregations through your, through your life. And other places that we've been, they are our family. There are people from those churches that we talk to on a monthly, weekly, sometimes daily basis that are not just friends, but are still family. And it's strong here as well. And we should never take that for granted because God says, I want to be your dad. 
I'm gonna be your father. You're going to be my child and I'm bringing you into this. And he puts us on the same level with Jesus. He says, you share in this sonship that my son has. And that's just an amazing thing to think about. So, so those are some attributes to the relationship that we have with God the Father. So that's part one. Part one, we talked about, we talk about God the Father, how he chose us, how he has, he is, um, he has chosen us, he has predestined us, and he has blessed us. That's what we get from God the Father. Spend some time in this section from Ephesians this week so that you can be ready next week and we're gonna talk about our relationship with God the Son. Uh, let's go to God in prayer and then we'll close out our time of study. God, we thank you so much for, for being our Father, for opening up your home to us and welcoming us in and blessing us, giving us the things that we need, the things that we want, and even the things that we don't realize we need, God. We thank you for looking at us and saying, you're my favorite. And we are so grateful for that, God. Help us to use all of these things as, as great motivation in our life, to, to understand that there is this great relationship, there is this great bond between you and us as an individual, and let it motivate us to go and show your glory to all of those around us, to help us be like, as Paul says in Philippians, as shining stars in this world. God, I know that there may be some struggling with some of the things that we've talked about today, they may be struggling with their self-worth. They may be struggling with their place in this family. Help them to find peace in that God. Help them to find understanding. Help them to find acceptance. Help us to love them and to bring them closer to you. Forgive us when we fail you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.